Jarvis, drop my needle. Hello, this is the hardcore legend Mick Foley, and if you are interested in listening to idiots, you came to the right place. Have a nice day. Woo! That's an attention getter. He's a very strange young man. He's an idiot. What we're dealing with here is a complete lack of respect for the law. Oh my God, he's an idiot. You know, of course, that you're out of your jurisdiction. Personally, I think you're an idiot. But that's the evidence in the car. But I was going into Toshi Station to pick up some power converters. Always like to keep my audience riveted. Greetings, ladies and gentlemen, friends and fiends, and welcome to Free Range Idiocy, the podcast about everything, but mostly just the stuff we like. This time, we're going to take it back to a time-honored trope from our youth. That's right, it's the very special episode of Free Range Idiocy. <laughs> will, will one of us be revealing a deep, dark secret? Will one of us disclose a hidden trauma and work through our healing process together? Will Tim finally admit how many times Todd kicked his tail in playing Madden back in the day? Don't. No! <laughs> and and not because those things aren't important, but because it's not that kind of show. If you've oh. listened at all, you know this. Uh, this episode, we're actually going to be talking about something very special because we'll be talking about one of the most holy of all numbers to a special kind of geek out there. Grab your towel and don't panic because this is episode 42 and we'll be talking about The Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy on the first ever Free Range Idiocy Book Club. First actually, one. This- I know. This is actually kind of the second one, isn't it? Or third one if you count the Legends edition. I know. Oh, jeez. Damn! Damn it, I had had that coming. My name is Todd, and with me, as always, is the man who has spent the past week turning his air fryer into a time machine, Mm -hmm. not to benefit humanity, but solely so he can relive his favorite meals. He is the spot to my Rex. Come on, man, throw me a bone and say you know this one. I give you the man they call Tim. 1.21 1.21 gigawatts. How are you, my brother? I'm doing all right. You, sir? I am well. I am doing very well. All right. Now, before we get going too far here, I got to ask a question. Can you name the tag team? I can. The Moon Dogs, baby. Oh, damn it. I thought <laughs> I might actually have you on that one. Ah, uh, no. I actually, that that was from the primetime wrestling days. Moon Dog Rex, <laughs> Moon Dog Spot. Uh, there, yeah. There was Just, a Moondog King before that. Was there? Yeah. Well, you would have had me with that one. So the funny part was, I and you know, thank you, Wikipedia, because I was able to read up on that. Apparently, uh, Moondog King was very short-lived because he couldn't get his visa renewed coming from Canada. So. <laughs> <laughs> well... I always had a saying that in wrestling, it's always about the politics. I just didn't realize it, you know, extended that far. <laughs> <laughs> didn't realize it was international politics. Yeah. <laughs> Jeez, yeah oh, so, all man. right. Well, you got that one. So, well, I'll have to try harder next week. Well, thank you all for tuning in. We all appreciate you uh, listening. And, uh, you know, we are going to, this is the, the I guess, uh, now the second, this is the first official Free Range ADC book club episode, but it is kind of the second unofficial or the third, if you count the legends edition of thrawn with the wind so i have no i'm i have to you know what the fact that we're losing track of all of this really is is a good kind of uh foreshadowing for the the book and the book series that we will be talking about today Mm -hmm. because there's it is perhaps one of the 
No, it is. Uh, it's it's actually the 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 most poorly named trilogy, or most unaptly named trilogy in all of bookdom, with with five actually six books in a trilogy. Yes, mm-hmm. that all works out somehow. We'll talk about it all later. But first, while we get into the weekend geeks, sir. Well, we got a couple things to go through here. First of all, if uh, you remember from last episode, I had uh, updated the group on on my my failings as 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 a father and and working on a PC with my son and failings as an engineer who decided to build the whole thing without testing each step of the way and making sure things actually worked. Well, you see, now the thing is, the failings as a father like that, you know, we all fail. That's that's I, part of I, the engineering thing is the one that really blew my mind. Like, well, dude, seriously. Uh-huh. Uh, I'm still still reeling from that one a little bit. And, and, and it, of course, had to be step one of the entire process was the step I, I, I goofed up oh, on. Oh, no, so no, no, for, no. Say it ain't so. So for you uh, potential uh, PC builders, uh, those of you who are thinking of delving into this world, let me just say this. When Don't. you put the CPU onto the motherboard and the CPU has a bunch of pins on it and you line them up and it goes right in, there is a, a bar just you know somewhere connected to, to that square where you drop it in. And you're supposed to lift that bar up, and you're supposed to drop the CPU in, and then you drop that bar. That's what lets power go to the CPU, and that's the oh. one step I missed. Are you you're ser- like, that's the thing. That was actually the thing. And, and honestly, oh. I, was, I was dreading finding out that because it's hard to put this into words and turn it into a visual for people, but with, with gaming CPUs, they produce a lot of heat. And so the one that we got came with um, essentially a heating, uh, like a cooling fan. So it draws heat off of it, you know, uses the fan to kind of push it out. Mm-hmm. And you have to mount this chassis on top of the the CPU chip. And there's there's a whole like frame around this on the motherboard that you just kind of bolt it on, you basically latch it onto. Mm-hmm. So I, of course, had put pressure on the chip as I'm putting this on, and the chip isn't locked in, you know, technically isn't locked into position. So I'm dreading taking this off the board and seeing a bunch of bent pins and realizing, oh. well, we're going to have to get another one, maybe. <laughs> so, and, and I'm guessing that's not the cheapest part involved. No, no. But uh, my choice of using an AMD chip instead of an Intel chip uh, paid dividends because uh, the, the chip was seated. It was fine. The pins were fine. Uh, we just had to lock it in. And once we put it on and uh, applied some power to it, it, it all started up just fine. So once we did that, we got the rest of it put together. And now my son is happily playing Star Wars Squadrons right now. Um, and nice. shooting down the Empire. So and, he, and he's probably waxing Jimmy Dice as we speak. <laughs> That's right. Dad, I took down this guy named Jimmy Dice. I don't know who he is, but it's a fun name. <laughs> he was really mad, though, and he said a lot of words. That I've, heard <laughs> I've heard you say when you're out trying to fix the lawnmower. We're going to have him on the show, and he's only going to talk to you because <laughs> he's going to shun me. <laughs> Your son. <laughs> you're dead to me. <laughs> Oh my gosh! So, anyway, so awesome. it, it so we took a victory lap after having that that bad boy built up, and uh, it it was pretty cool. It, it it's it's actually really interesting because like with the CPU fan, they they go kind of all out. So when it's running, it actually like rotates colors as it's like running and stuff like that. So it's all like about the visual and stuff. And wow! 
yeah, the, the, the case we got has like lights that kind of, you have a bunch of different light settings. So it's kind of like running lights as you're playing and stuff. And uh, anyways, it was just interesting. So open my you know, eyes and learn You're going to have things. one with spinners. Yes, that's right. The <laughs> I actually step. heard someone mention spinners and I was like, is that still a thing? Because, I mean, spinners were like the, the hotness for a while. Is that still a thing? Or we, I don't we... know. I mean, John Cena, most of his, his career, he had the spinner belt. Well, I mean, let's not use John Cena as a bellwether of what's cool. <laughs> John Cena's hairline has receded more than mine. And, and he's still trying to play it off as like he's one of the hip young kids. So let's let's not get too caught up well, in that, it's, shall it's, we? It's ironic you say that because it's like now in his life is when he grows it all out, which it's like you should have done that, you know, tw- you know, 10 years ago. Oh, I don't know what's going on with his hair, right? That, oh, I, I, man. I, I saw it when we watched the when I watched the the match that he had against the Fiend, mm-hmm. and I saw him. I'm like, what is going on with that dude's noggin? Yeah, what's happening up there? What's yeah. going, John? Just you know what? Just go Austin. It's okay. It's just, okay. Just shave it. Just. Shave I mean, it. I know I'm heading there. I know it's going to happen eventually. Like the 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 parade towards the back of my skull has begun, and it's not going <laughs> to stop. And at a certain the point, the parade. I'm, I love. I, I'm not gonna. I'm not, yeah, I'm. I'm not gonna fight it. I'm not gonna get plugs. I'm not gonna oh, do the spray-on hair. Embrace I'm just gonna it. wake up one morning and say, you know what? We're done. We're done here. Mm-hmm. And that's it. Mm-hmm. And I'm gonna save money on shampoo and haircuts. I've already told my barber. I said, I, I said, Richie, I, I, you know, I love y'all. This is great. I love hanging out here. I said, but. Rest assured, when I'm not getting haircuts anymore, I'm still going to come down here. I'm going to bring a six pack, and I'm just going to hurl insults the entire. Well, hey, once we get once hey, we get out of COVID, once the you know. parade. Hey, once the parade reaches the back, my friend, and I'm speaking from experience. You still got to get the trim. You got to get the tune up. No, I'm just shaving it all. No, you just got to get yeah. the tune up, baby. No, I'm just. It's all coming off. You know, I mean, hopefully then, like it maybe it'll, maybe it'll start receding my back hair too. And I, you know. <laughs> <laughs> that's the oh, worst part man. is, you know, you get that sweater going in the middle of August. Todd, Todd like, walks into the barbershop. Hey, Sasquatch, how are you? <laughs> <laughs> that's what I'll have him do. <laughs> you don't have any hair on your head. I know. Hang on a second. Oh, oh gosh. Good Lord. Put, good put Lord. the shirt back on. All right. I feel like we've just given people way more information. <laughs> <than we laughs> you, you, you started down this road. I don't know why. but we, I don't we, either. I say John a- Cena's spinner belt, and we'd spend five minutes on his hair. <laughs> And then my back hair, which is just, <laughs> I'm embarrassed, oh. but at the same time, it was really funny, so I'm keeping it in. So, you know what? You're welcome, everybody. Let's move on to the next Week in Geek yeah, item. Yeah, let's, let's do that, please. A uh, little uh, Mando drama, Mandalorian Mando. drama, baby. Yes. That's right. Welcome back, Mando. You know, the last couple of weeks, I, I've kind of not been paying attention to it, but it keeps like you know popping up on the radar but uh, apparently uh some friction in season two uh with with the uh the star pedro pascal who plays the mandalorian apparently getting a little upset that um now now if you are to believe the rumors that are out there and mm-hmm. in this day and age it's hard to know unless you're really on set and know what's going on but uh the original rumor was he was extremely unhappy because shockingly he doesn't get to show his face very much on camera 
I know. What a what a shocker when you're playing a character who wears a full face mask. And I'm thinking, when someone's explaining to this guy, here's the character you're going to play. He's part of uh, a collection of, of, of individuals who don't believe in taking their helmet off. Yeah. So you're not going to be on camera a lot. <laughs> Go go effing figure i believe is the is the way that i would put that so it 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 was uh it kept popping up that he was going to leave the show he was upset there was uh other articles i read that he's upset with now this was the one that made me think this was just plain stupid like what sort of actor gets upset that 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 a character like the child baby yoda gets more attention than he does i'm like really who are you, Hulk Hogan? Oh, we're, we're getting into that territory, my friend. Let me tell you. Let <laughs> me tell you if that's true. Let me tell you something, brother. He's going he's gonna to get baby. He's going to get get over on Baby Yoda somehow. That's oh, how he's... Geez. Don't you be taking my heat. Well, Good Lord. I, 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 think, I think Baby Yoda can take a book out of Sean... Uh, take a page out of Sean Michael's book and uh, just, uh, o- just, just oversell. See, now the thing is, like, Pedro better watch his butt on this one because quite honestly, Pedro don't do a whole lot. Because I at first I was like, okay, well at least he's doing this, he's doing this, he's doing. He's basically doing the voice, yeah, and some of the acting. I didn't realize how much of the like, how much his two stunt doubles do. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. He is not really under that mask all that much, right. and really, you could. I mean, there is any number of fantastic voice actors hanging around Hollywood and, and well I mean and now we with everyone working remotely you can do voiceover work from anywhere there's a ton of people who would be like um excuse me I can sound like Mando yeah I, I I'm I'm good with that I mean and you don't even need to sound exactly like him it's it's not necessarily about that like wait for dude, it wait for it this is the way see I did yes. it yeah, and you know what? A little post production, I can get that right up to snuff. You know, I mean, you know, we can do wonderful things with computers these days. I don't know, man. I mean, I can see maybe being a little miffed, but when I actually found out afterwards, like, and, and no, I'm not taking away from Pedro. I, I think he actually has done a great job of, you know, of of in his in his vocal performance and probably in some of the physical performance because I'm sure he's under that friggin' armor at some point. But dude, it's not like you're in, like it's you every frame, right, of the show. There's two other dudes who are playing you right. a lot, right. you know. And calm and down. Honestly, I I just don't know how much of this to buy into. If it's if it's you know online trolls stirring the pot. If it's you know maybe there is a sliver of truth. I don't know. I mean, the last I heard was he he had agreed with Lucasfilm just to do the voice acting part of it. Mm-hmm. Um, which, like you said, is probably a majority of what he's doing, anyways, right now. Yeah. Um, but uh, but then th- this this uh, article came up again. It sounds like uh, the statement now from from you know the the overall production is that there was a minor creative difference. They've ironed it out, and he is with the show, so we can all rest easy. The Mandalorian and the man who plays under the mask, who you never see, will remain, and we won't be any the wiser one way or the other. So. Yeah, uh, I, just a little bit of of Mando drama that I was just kind of like, really, really. So there's there's a great story that Kevin Smith talks about when he worked on uh, uh, what the heck was it, uh, Live Free or Die Hard, mm. 
because he he had that one scene in in that movie, and he talks about this whole like day on the set with Bruce Willis back when him and Bruce Willis were actually friends. They're 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 not now. Uh, that's a whole other story, and I'll I'll link to the actual thing. But uh, the whole thing goes down that basically he wanted Bruce Willis wanted to make a whole bunch of changes that Kevin Smith had rewritten his entire scene. And so he sent the changes off to the studio. The studio calls back, like, no, no, we don't want to do this. We don't want to do this. And Bruce Willis's move at that point was like, okay, uh, who's your second choice to play John McClane? And uh huh, uh huh. All right, we're going to shoot those pages. And the studio's like, oh, we don't have one. I'm, I'm going to guess that John Favreau at some point kind of made me called up Pedro. Was like, hey, Pedro. Um, I, I I understand, I know, man. It's it's always tough, you know, this sort of thing. And hey, nobody knew that Baby Yoda was or the child was going to be that big of a thing. And yeah, no, it is. You do fantastic work and all this, but uh, uh, you know, a couple things I just want to remind you. Uh, you know, you're under a mask, and we've got the people who play you and stuff. So I mean, I I, I get it, but you know, uh, you ain't Robert Downey Jr. <laughs> And, and and I would know. Oh yeah. So maybe we can work this out. Oh oh we can. Oh that's awesome. Thanks thanks man. Yeah I'll, I'll talk to you later. Click. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> it's just like, I, I, Pedro, you ain't got that much. You ain't got that much clout. I really hope this is just. The, first of all, I I hope that ninety percent of this isn't even true. That it's just someone you know taking a maybe a minor spat that happened on set and blew it out of proportion for the sake of yeah. you know making some noise, but. But yeah, don't you know? At the end of the day, people don't don't mess with Mandalorian. It's 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 like the one good thing we got right now. You know what I mean? Uh, yeah, I mean we we've got Mandalorian to look forward to at the end of this month, and apparently WandaVision at the beginning of November, I yeah. think, or sometime yeah. in November. Uh, come on, we're we're just trying to we're not even trying to pull out of the nosedive of 2020 <laughs> right now. We're just trying to soften the landing. All right, we, yes. It, we're plowing into the earth at some point. We're just trying to make a smaller hole. That's all we're doing. Like maybe we we'll maybe we can actually belly flop this mother and not like just burrow. To, that's to, that's my hope. To keep this in the realm of the week and geek, if you will, episode seven, the Force Awakens. We're we're just trying to land the Falcon and skid it across the land, baby. Yes, yes. <laughs> we're just trying to sneak through the shield and not go down into the canyon. That's it. That's all we're aiming for, baby. Any landing oh, you can walk away from man. is a good landing. That's right. Just want to tell you both good luck. We're all counting on you. So, hey, uh, one other item we got to touch on, and is, yes. will, will be a repeating part. Uh, you know, we have the segment now, and now I have a repeating part of a repeating uh, oh, sub-segment geez. of the you, segment. It's like you've got your own, like, column at I a major do. newspaper now. <laughs> and and uh, my brother, I got to ask, they all hate you. How we doing? Oh, Fantasy football, boy. baby. It's been kind of rough for me. It's good. I feel like Rodney Dangerfield. Oh, let me tell you, it's kind of rough. It's a rough, rough crowd, rough crowd with the fantasy football. Let me tell you, uh, it's it's been rough. The one win so far I have this year is uh, against the the cellar dweller team. That's the joke team that you set up. Uh, I have been victimized by a couple of uh, some of the things that I talked about. Uh, in yeah. our in our fantasy football, where uh, some last minute outs uh, kind of kicked my butt, and honestly, this this week could be the same thing. I've got two wide receivers. I've got uh, Julio Jones and Devonta Adams playing on Monday. Both of them are questionable, and if they don't go, I am absolutely hosed because. <laughs> <laughs> 
there there was no other alternative. So and and I've got New England's defense, which is now you know a new COVID hotspot. Foxborough is the newest COVID hotspot in, yeah. in Massachusetts. So that's awesome as well. Yeah. I don't know, man. I don't know. Um, you know the the one comfort that I take in this, well, two comforts is that is that one, I have no money on the line, and fantasy football is not a, really a huge thing in my life. And and the other thing is that quite honestly. I, I can always look to you as my inspiration. Yes. Because, number one, uh, you're actually doing better than I am in this fantasy football league. But you've also been out of the hospital long enough that, quite <laughs> honestly, you should be qualified to get into this presidential race right now. <laughs> oh, God. Oh, I mean, let's not go there. <laughs> that ought to be a qualification. Am I right? Oh, God. Am I right? Am I? Am uh, I? No, no, no one's going to back me. Even the cat's not backing me up on this. Like, you're on. <laughs> the cat just ran out of the room. <laughs> you're on. You. I'm not hanging you're around on. for this. <laughs> you're by your damn self on this one. Let me tell you. <laughs> oh my gosh. Yeah, uh, oh, so yeah. so for for my side, I'm I'm the opposite of you. I'm I'm sitting at a a nice two and one, but that's soon to be two and two. I got I got hit hard by uh, my I, I don't mean to say it this way, but my teams are or or the players uh, that I have selected uh, happen to be four of them happen to be on teams that uh, came in into a situation of COVID, and uh, one it was unclear if the game would be rescheduled or not. So uh, I ended up benching most of them. But thankfully, I was uh, swift of foot when I saw this happen. And uh, I, I guess I didn't really use my feet on the computer. But I was going to say, that's that's awfully interesting te- typing technique you have there. Swift of, of, of hand and, and mouse by uh, uh, grabbing a couple. Uh, ru- uh, of course, it was my two running backs that were out. And of course, that's the part I, I completely just nosedived on. Oh, and you didn't talk to me about a trade? That's it? Yeah, dead to me. <laughs> I'm not going to trade you two perfectly good running backs for just one week of down. You know what no, I mean? No, but you didn't even you didn't even contact me about renting one of my guys. Oh. I, I'm, I am hurt. My goodness, my hurt, goodness. I say, I know. I, you know, you did say this season you were going to heal it up. I just didn't realize you're going to be like Iron Mike Sharp level of heal though. Oh yeah, <laughs> I'm all the dirty <laughs> tricks right now. Oh, I'm gonna be my own manager. I'm gonna, I'm gonna like brother love. I'm oh gonna be brother, brother hate. That's what I'm gonna be. There you go. There you go. <laughs> I hate you. I hate you. Actually, uh, I'll, I'll be like the Chappelle show, uh, the the haters, player haters ball. You oh yes, that one? yes. Oh yes. Oh my gosh. Oh my Excuse God. me while I go put some water in Buck Nasty's mama's bowl. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know why. That's always the one that stuck out to me is like, Yikes. oh my gosh, yes, that was that was brilliant and really harsh at the same time. Yes, oh my gosh. Anyways, so yeah, so I'm sitting at uh, probably after this week I'll be two and two. You sir will be sitting at what one in three or one or two and two yourself. I don't know. I mean, I'm still in the fight. I'm You're only still in four, the fight. Okay. I'm only four points behind. Anything could happen. Anything could happen. So we could be tied. I know. Record-wise after this week. All right. Well, we'll have to report on where we are uh, next week. You know, if you'd, if you'd allowed incremental points, I'm prob- I'd probably be two and two right now. All right. Let's just move or- along before he starts <laughs> talking me into that. Jeez Louise. <laughs> I feel All bad right. enough I didn't engage you on the running back trade. Now he's going to be talking fractional points, and that'll be how he puts one over on me. So, anyways, last last item of Weekend Geek. Sorry about taking so long here, but... We we, no, we had not. a couple we had a couple items, 
But finally, uh, a little bit of home business we got to discuss here. Uh, free range idiocy. We we've been on uh, for a little over a year. I would say a year and a couple months. Am I am I correct? Right. Yeah. About yeah. About that. Yeah. Yep. Uh, this uh, last week we broke the one k download barrier, baby. Glorious. No, I won't give in. We, we, Good stuff. We have we have crossed a glorious threshold, my friend. Yes, we have. Glorious. No, I will give in. I will give in till I'm victorious. And I will defend. I will defend. And uh, it, it, we we have uh, you, the, the 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 listeners, the. Those of you who have stuck with us and 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 who have who have persevered and I, I use persevered with a capital P uh, through. <laughs> through wow. Well, <laughs> let's be honest. We've created some three-hour journeys along the way. Here, yeah, so. sort of like our last episode. <laughs> oh, good lord! Oh my goodness! Uh, so if if you have uh, taken one of our episodes and made it multi-week listening, we appreciate that because. Uh, what started out, if you go back and listen to episode one and, and Todd's grand plans for how these episodes would be, oh, we, yeah. we did not even, we didn't <laughs> even close. We didn't even make it on the first episode. I was like, oh, no, episodes are going to be like a half hour to an hour. I'm like, yeah, that, yeah, that happened. Yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. So, yeah, say a thank you to the listeners. Thank you to those who, who continue to, to, to listen, to support. We appreciate it. Uh, and and and, yeah, and, yeah. and and a little bit of thanks uh, to to the glorious one, Uncle Todd. Glorious. Just just need to tip my cap to him. He is the brains behind the editing. He oh, is the brains geez. behind put, pulling it all together. And uh, you know, fine job, sir. Uh, love the new intro. Glorious. Love the new intro. Oh well, thank you. So sir. Uh, yeah, so so just thank you, sir, and uh, let's let's keep marching toward the next one K. I'm just I keep waiting for when when you're gonna come in with the joke. I'm just I'm waiting for like no you did no okay. I'm playing, I, uh-huh. I'm being since I'm being sincere. Okay, all right. We, well, we don't do that very often on this show. So I'm just, and I'm, maybe I'm just to get a, a bump, taken aback. Maybe just to get a bump in downloads, we'll try to dust off the outtakes from the Legends Edition and maybe release oh, that at some point. Damn! See, I knew it. I knew it. I never untensed waiting for the kick ah, to the testicles. That's where, you yes. know. Glorious, oh. my friend. Glorious. Glorious. All right. Taking over the so, world. So we're going to talk uh, now that we're like, you know, approximately, f- you know, four hours into the show now. We're going to talk <laughs> about our main topic. Now that Tim has prattled on for for on and on and on. No, I, I, I'm, I'm merely, I'm, well, I'm kind of kidding. Not, not so much. <laughs> well, we, 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 we talk about everything and we give each other a hard time that that's pretty much yeah. the two tenets of the show so that is that is the entire show actually <laughs> now that i was trying to think of something else i'm like no it's not useful information forget it's tonight's not- topic let's just call it he, he covered it <laughs> he's we're not going to help you improve your life we're not going to help you in, in enlarge your understanding of anything yeah it's pretty much just that yep uh-huh you stick with what you're good at, and you dance with the one that brung you. You know, mm-hmm. so uh, we're gonna we're gonna dive into some books. Uh, this actually again is the is the second time that we'll be of a literary mind, and the the thing that actually 
we we should have had another guest on. We we tried to get a guest on and it didn't work out. Unfortunately, uh, my friend, uh, well, our mutual friend, uh, Mike Brindamore, couldn't make it on. However, uh, your uh, your sister in law is a librarian. Uh, she it works at a library. Yes, yes. How how in the heck did we not have her on for the book club? I how do we miss out on that? I don't know. I don't know. Because I'm and I'm surprised that after this past week's episode, we didn't get some 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 work on the Twitter machine about that. You're talking about books. <laughs> work on the Twitter machine. <laughs> you're talking about books and you're not, te- you're not, you're not well, talking to me. Well, I went out there and I cranked her up in the Twitter machine. <laughs> she spit out nothing. <laughs> it's got a ticker tape. <laughs> Good God. Good Lord. I want to be. I want to be all kinds of gears and stuff with like the glass dome on it. Like you look across, like ooh, there's big things happening out in the world. Yes, there are. Yes, yes. There are things afoot, Jeeves. I I don't know why I'd be talking to (laughs) Jeeves, but good lord. Oh, you're you're all hyped up on pot roast. I'm all hyped up on hot wings. We're good to go, baby. Today has been one hell of a week. Let me tell you. Yes. Um, Yes. So. We're going to talk about Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy. Oh, and, which is, and, and why did we we pick this? It's episode forty-two. So yes, it, well, it forty-two sense. is the is the answer to life, the universe, and everything. Mm-hmm. Now, for those of you who know the books, you know that there is an inherent problem with this: that you have the answer, but you don't have the question. <laughs> Which is brilliant, absolutely brilliant uh, part of the book, and and Douglas Adams just tormented crazy brain to mm-hmm. come up with something like that. Um, it was awesome. So yeah, when we were coming up on episode forty-two, I said uh, we've got to do this, and Tim was goodly enough to decide to plow through the first book in the in the Hitchhiker's yes, trilogy, sir. so that we'd be able to discuss this in time. And actually, this year marks the forty-first anniversary of the publication of the Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy. So next year will be the 42nd anniversary. But we couldn't wait quite that long because, you know, well, we got to record. And well, I thought you were going to put weird. the brakes on the show at that point and just say, forget it, 12 months from now, then we'll do it. <laughs> I, I actually did consider just going right from 41 to 43 without any explanation whatsoever until next, like, until January hits and then 42 drops right there. I, I, I toyed with that idea, but people already know that we're idiotic enough. That would have just put it over the edge into just being completely incompetent. And that, I didn't that, want to go there. That was in the pre-pre-production meeting. Yes. That was that was all in my mind. <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's the pre-pre-pre-production meeting when I have conversations with myself. That's the brainstorming session. Oh, my God. He's an idiot. There's now, a storm that. going on in the brain. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> There's so many ways I could go with that, and I'm not going to go with any of them. Oh, good lord. So we're going to talk about this book, and uh, this book for me is kind of near and dear to my heart. Uh, Now, uh, this book was originally published in 1979. And it's it's kind of had a very strange history, to to say the least. Uh, It actually started out as a radio show. And it originally was going to take place, uh, Douglas Adams, author of of the book, novel, radio, all, all of these things have come from his brain. And uh, he was originally going to do a BBC radio show, and it was going to be called The Ends of the Earth. And it was going to be six episodes, and each one of them was going to be kind of self-contained, and it was going to end with the Earth being destroyed in some new way. 
And yeah. the first one was the Earth was going to be destroyed to make way for a hyperspace bypass, mm. which is <laughs> kind of brilliant. And uh, so, but as he's working on that, he kind of needed this. He he realized he needed an alien to be kind of set the perspective, so it wasn't just taking place amongst humans and then he needed that alien to have a job and then he kind of came up with this whole idea of the hitchhiker's guide to the galaxy which was an idea that he'd had years before while he was drunk laying out in a field somewhere because where all good ideas come from <laughs> that's where my best ideas come from i mean that in the shower uh so he he was uh, he was hitchhiking around europe before that and had a like hitchhiker's guide to europe book and he before he fell asleep out in the field he thought oh wouldn't it be interesting if there was a hitchhiker's guide to the galaxy then that idea just sat in his brain for years until he came up with this like oh there is a hitchhiker's guide to the galaxy the alien writes for it and therefore that gives him a job and all that as he went through it became like hey this is the better idea forget about doing these self-contained episodes it's just going to be this so then, thus was born the Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy as a as a radio show, six episodes, and then I think they did another episode, a seventh episode to kind of cap it off for the end of that year, and then he wrote a novelization. And so, if you if you happen to get the ultimate Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy, which is the one that I have, Douglas Adams does this whole thing where he tries to talk to you about, you know, all of the all of the twists and turns in this. So the book is kind of reflective of the radio series, and but then some of the stuff was rewritten. So he says some of the characters don't act like the way that they do in the radio, and, and dialogue is said by other people because it was just easier to re, not than rewriting dialogue. All of these things. And, and so there was just this twisting and turning of, of how this thing became, uh, became a series of books. Now, when this was published in the United States, I don't have the exact year... But uh, I remember distinctly, I think, okay, when I was in like fifth, actually it might have been earlier than that, it might have been fourth or fifth grade, I remember there was a couple kids in my, in my class who were reading these books. And I was like, okay, uh, what's that about? And, and they, they were like, oh, it's about this and that and the other. And I ended up getting one of the books, read it, did not understand like a tenth of it, but it was hilarious. And it's kind of been, it's it's been this theme in my life where I'll, I'll uh, I think I mentioned before, like watching, uh, like listening to a Jackie Mason record and not understanding half of it mm. at the age of like eleven, yeah. <laughs> yeah. And, and, and I'm just, but I'm rolling because the delivery was great and what I did understand was hilarious. And now I listen to it, I'm like, oh my gosh, my this is why I'm as twisted and messed up as I am because I had these thoughts dumped into my head at an early age and they just rattled around inside there doing weird things because I didn't understand what they actually were. Same thing with this book uh, where. It gave me this appreciation for just the absurd nature of of what you can do in writing. Mm. And Douglas Adams is so good at that of just writing things that are so absolutely absurd. And and yeah. so uh, there, then there's also just that layer of the British humor on top of that, where you're like, oh my gosh, it's it is to me it is literary perfection. It is one of the funniest things I've ever read. And even a uh, even though I've read it. God, I don't even know how many times I've read it, uh, but I, I reread it in prep for this show over the span of like a day and a half. Mm. Because once I start reading it, I, it's just like it's like going back to a to a movie that you can just like 
you can say the lines back to the screen. It was like, oh my gosh, I love this. It's awesome. And just inhaling it again and just being like, oh, just letting it kind of wash <laughs> over me. It was awesome. Oh my gosh. Nice. So great. But um, yeah, so this is... Uh, and then, of course, uh, there was uh, there's more radio shows and 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 then more books. And so we get the Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy, which is then followed up by the restaurant at the end of the universe. Then Life, the Universe and Everything is the third book. Then the fourth book in the trilogy, because it was originally supposed to be a trilogy. And then Douglas Adams said, hey, I've got a fourth book. Perfect. Uh, that one is called So Long and Thanks for All the Fish. And then the fifth book in the in the trilogy is Mostly Harmless. And then there's actually a sixth book in this increasingly peculiarly named trilogy um, called uh, And Another Thing, which <laughs> ties into this show. Uh, however, that was written by a different author, but using the same characters and kind of really brings the entire saga to a close. Because unfortunately, we lost Douglas Adams a number of years ago. Uh, he died suddenly of a heart attack at the age of only 49, which is the really the thing that wow. kind of is is sad to me because I'm like, oh my, if, if we could have gotten like another four, five, six, seven books from him, that would have been just so amazing. But oh my gosh. So yeah, that's my context of how I came to these books and, and why I love them. Now, I, I think because I basically told you like, we're going to talk about these, otherwise I'm going to drive to Chicago and, and beat you about the head and shoulders with my hardbound copy of the book. <laughs> But uh, but as far as like for you getting into this, what was kind of your first impression? Um, for me, it was a couple things. So, you know, coming off of us talking about the Thrawn trilogy and, and really that being the last, you know, kind of fiction that I had read, you know, this year, uh, it, it took some getting used to. It's a little different, isn't it? It's it, it's got a different <laughs> feel to it. I mean, um, they're both science fiction in a way, but oh, it's very very different. Well, and and I kind of feel like, and, and I don't think this is the right phrase for it, so I don't know why I'm going to use it, but but it, it's a phrase that kept popping into my head, and and I'm not a liter, you know, I'm not an English you know major of of any kind. I'm I'm an engineering nerd, but it it had that kind of stream of consciousness sort of feel to it. You 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 just mm. kind of were flowing through a thought. You know, and as yeah. you're reading through the events that are going on in the story and in the book, it's like you go from something that just happened to then the next chapter is like a tangent you go on. And mm -hmm. the tangent is related to what's about to happen, but you're reading a chat, you know, a short chapter about it. Then you come back to the actual story and yeah. then you kind of progress further. And then there's another tangent you kind of go on. And so he does this way of just kind of weaving the backstory of you know, kind of this, you know, what what his story of the universe is and the history and, and, you know, the civilizations and the aliens and everything, you know, kind of weaves it all together. And you're, you're just absorbing all of this information, but it, it, it somehow comes together and progresses the story forward. Mm. You know what I mean? Like, like, that, like that was the thing is like, I didn't feel like it was so, I was going so far off the reservation that it didn't come back to you know, the, the, the mainstream of, of the story and, and it all kind of helped, you know, connect dots for you as you, as you, as you kind of progress through it. Yeah. And so, I, I so mean, that I, was kind of my first impression was just the, the style of writing and just the flow of it. Yeah. And I, and I totally understand what you're saying with that. I think part of it to part of it is, is I think that Douglas Adams is just a wonderful author. Mm -hmm. I, I think he's a wonderful author. He has a he has a great ear for for interaction and dialogue, which 
I tend to think are two different things. Like there's there's definitely dialogue that I think is brilliant, but it can almost sit by itself and you're like, oh, here's a thing that person said and it was wonderful. But it doesn't necessarily it doesn't necessarily play as well with the other dialogue. Yeah. You know, the the back and forth is a little bit there's something a little off and you're like, okay, well it's a book and we all kind of just gloss over that. Douglas Adams, I think also uh, Neil Gaiman has this talent as well, where the interaction between the characters feels so incredibly natural Yeah, yeah. that it just, it does, it just flows. And the other part of it, I think from a mechanical standpoint is this was really like a, a several swings at this ball. I mean, he'd already written it as a, as a radio show and had rewritten it, I'm sure, edited it, and then it's, you know, see how it plays for the audience, and then the novelization came afterwards, and so then it's, okay, now I can, get to, I can fix some things, I can see what worked and what I thought didn't work when I heard actors reading it and things like that, and yeah. just, you know, can, and, and getting notes from people. So it, to me, it's like this, this really is a distilled version of these characters, so that by the time he finished, like, the first... You know, the first book in this series, he really had a good grip on who these these people, well, these these creatures, mm. people uh, and others are. You know what I mean? Right. Right. Yeah, but I I totally agree. It's it, oh, it's it's so fun to read. Glorious. So yeah, fun and, to read. And you know, reading it, I I didn't. You know, I wasn't bogged down with you know the visuals and and like a frame of reference from a film like like you know, I, I mean, not that we were bogged down with it when we were reading the Thrawn trilogy, but you know, part of what we said we, we liked about those books was the fact that, you know, the, the, the conversation between, you know, the characters we, you know, that we came to know in the movies felt very natural, felt like what it was from the movies. It didn't feel disingenuous. It didn't feel like, you know, Timothy Zahn was, was going off in a direction with the dialogue where Luke sounded like totally different from what, you know, you, you remember him being. Mm-hmm. Um, this one, of course, I had no frame of reference. So, like you said, I mean, I think I... I think the the back and forth between the characters, you know, like like nothing felt odd from that perspective, you know, like reading the book, like like just from taking it from a, you know, the the amount of, I don't mean to say pleasure I got from reading it, but just you know, nothing stood out that made me not like it. You know what I mean? Like it it, it yeah. just it. You told me it's a it's a quick read. It's a you know a book that's easy to read, and 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 it really did. It flowed very nicely. You know, I liked how he he. Somehow, and, and, and I think this is one of these cases, I, I haven't seen the movie, so I don't know how the movie translated, but I really feel like this was a story that fit the written medium very well, because you really had to, you know, imagine a lot of what he was writing and, and what he was trying to world build as as you started out on this journey with, you know, with Arthur Dent and, and Ford Prefect. And, you know, you're you're kind of slowly getting introduced to this wider concept of the universe and what's going on, and and you just kind of, you know, I don't know if disarm is the right word, but but Adams just has this way, and and it's saying something because you know I'm talking as someone who loves BSG, loves Star Wars, loves Star Trek, and yet he was able to kind of, you know, allow me to to detach from those tropes and those those concepts that I've. I've I've always you know watched and read and, and enjoy, and allowed myself to just kind of get into the universe he was creating, you know, and, mm. and just mm-hmm. kind of understand like okay, there there are no Cylons, there are no you know Klingons, there are no Empire, 
there's just, you know, all of these different races and, you know, he's kind of trying to, you know, paint this tapestry of how all these different civilizations came together and the breadth of time that this is covering and, you know, some of the, uh, and, and, and how things that happened so far in the past are, you know, kind of played out and really were, were, were quite relevant to, to the present. And so it was just kind of really, like you said, I think it was just very, very well done writing, um, mm. that, that, that he was able to kind of be able to engage you as a reader into this very, and, and you hit the nail on the head. I don't know if absurd is the word used, but there, there's an absurdity to all of it, you know? Oh, yeah. And, and, and yet it's an absurdity that you buy into and, and you just run with, you know, and, and you go along for the ride. And, and so, yeah, so I, I kind of, I, I really like that part of it and, and, and was impressed by it. Um, you know, my, my exposure to this book has primarily been through through friends, you know, kind of telling me bits and pieces, you know, yourself, some others who who told me bits and pieces, let me in on some of the inside jokes about, you know, 42 and, you know, some of these other things. And it's just kind of like I just never got around to reading it, you know, but I just knew that it was just kind of a beloved story, you know, that that, yeah. that people really enjoyed and, and thought was really funny. I think part of what makes this story Fantastic. And, and Douglas Adams as a writer, fantastic, is he has an economy to his writing. There is there's zero fat. You know, he he goes yeah. off on these tangents and he expounds on things. But you know what? It's it's for the sake of of a, of of kind of keeping you in this, you know, this uh spirit of absurdity and he doesn't waste it on oh let me set this let me set this let me describe everything he doesn't need to describe everything he he's he has managed to and it's one of the things that i struggle with just in writing or anything and in trying to like just here let me describe everything like you're looking at a photograph it's like no you don't need that all i need to tell you is the funny bits right you don't need to you don't need to know like oh what's this console look like you don't need to know that you just need to know that when the console pops out there's like all these styrofoam peanuts and plastic wrap on it so that you it's like when you get a car or something where you're like oh nobody's opened the glove compartment yet and you open it and there's all those like 18 different tags like hey by the way this airbag might kill you oh fantastic you know like it, it hits all those notes without going so far into the description that you lose it yeah and and i love that you know, you know what you're getting into right off the bat. Like the, it's not even the first chapter. Actually, it's it's the, it's not even a proper necessarily introduction to the fir- to to the Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy. But when he starts out and he's like, you know, there's this woman and she's figured out all what all the problems are and she and this and that and the other and and then she goes and then all of a sudden the plant's demolished. This is not her story. And I'm like, wait a minute, you just spent like. Four paragraphs telling me about this this woman who figured out everything and how everything was wrong and how everything had been improved. And you're like, this isn't that story. Like you kind of all you it's like, okay, it's gonna be one of those types of books, isn't yeah. it? Yeah. You know? Yeah. It's gonna be one of those things where you're gonna you're gonna lead me down a path and you're like, no, back this way. Yeah. <laughs> and yep. just kind of that ridiculousness of 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 things, you know? Well, and um, and and I feel like as someone who just read this for the first time, I you know, reading it I and, and thinking about it now, I mean and maybe this is just me reading it and, and I don't know if others have experienced this too, but in, in, in a lot of ways you, you are really Arthur Dent, you know, you're, yes. you're going on this journey. And, and I just remember, you know, getting past the part where earth is annihilated and he, you know, he's pulled up into the, into the Vulcan ship and, you know, you start to read about where they were and, and, you know, what's going on with Volgans and all this other stuff. And, 
you just have to go along with it. You know what I mean? It's just like, it's like you just have to go along for the ride. And, you know, it's funny to me, like Arthur Dent is a main character in it, but you know, when you really get down to it, you you get more depth about Ford Prefect than you do about Arthur Dent. Well, yeah, but the thing is like Arthur Dent is us yeah, because we, we all want to think that, and it's the whole reason why, like why a fiction is so, you know, is so hot as a genre because I mean what teenager doesn't want to think that they're going to be the hero of their own movie their own story and all that and that's fantastic and I love it and I think it's wonderful I think you know I'm I I love when my daughter reads books like that that you know and she because I want her to understand like hey you can do really cool stuff you know like I want her imagination opened but the fact is if most of us were put in these in these situations we would not be Dwayne Johnson so make sure you've got your thunderwear on right we right. would not be, you know, John McClane. We would, we would be like over in the corner, going, "What in the crap is happening?" You right. know, I mean, that's who we we'd be sitting there in a muddy bathrobe, just completely flummoxed. Yeah, yeah, in shock. That's that's what you would be. Yep. That's what most of us would be at at most times. And and Arthur Dent does have his moments in the book, but for the most part, he is he's sort of like Pelion in 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 the Thrawn series yeah. where his whole job is to basically like reflect like what the empire was like Arthur's purpose in this book is to reflect like who we are and what we would actually be in that situation yeah we I mean, would not I mean, be one of the cool people yeah he, he he's an observer you know I mean he yeah. he, he really doesn't I mean there, there's a, a part a crucial part he plays later on in, in the story not crucial in the sense of of well, as crucial as Arthur gets, really. <laughs> well, well, you know, not crucial in progressing the plot forward, but but his, you know, his being in in the presence of um, let me find his name, um, Slart Slartabartfast. Yes, but, which is but, but, which was such a great name. Yeah, because, but, Ar- because Douglas Adams wanted to get something that sounded dirty, but wouldn't. Wouldn't wouldn't get caught by censors. I'm like that's. I just love the fact that he played around with names to get something that was appropriately dirty sounding. Yes, but would but would be inoffensive. Right. right I love right. that. Anyways, go but, ahead. But no. But but the the whole interchange between he had that 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 character has with Arthur though is is really kind of an unwinding of the narrative of a, a lot of the history of of this universe and and how things led up to to this point and and. Mm-hmm really is where you get the revelation of you know kind of the deeper purpose of earth and 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 you know how how it came up sh- you know 5 minutes short of accomplishing its its task oh, which yeah. we'll get into later but you know using him as a device of of being the receiver of this information you know kind of you know I I, I like the comparison to Pelion from from the Thrawn series because that you know he he kind of serves that purpose as as the one who's probing Thrawn you know with questions and and getting you know, answers from him and, and kind of revealing Thrawn as a character and, 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 and the depth of, of the kind of character like we talked about in the last episode. And here Dent is kind of doing the same thing. I mean, he, he's there, but he's just there as a receiver of information. You know, he's, he's, yeah. he, he's not a, you know, he, he's not taking action. He's not. And, and, and that's something I found interesting with the story is, you know, a lot of, a lot of space based stories, you know, that we've come to enjoy, you know, like I, I named a few of them off BSG, Star Trek, Star Wars. There's always these like life and death stakes, you know, the end of, you know, the, you know, the, the empire, the end of the, uh, the Federation or, or, you know, something is at stake. And, and this one, it's never really that this is just a journey. You know what I mean? Like, like this is mm-hmm. really just a journey and 
you know, there, there's, there's, there's nothing really going on that's like, oh my God, we got to do this or the universe will collapse upon itself. Like it never gets to that point, at least in this first book, I haven't gotten very far in the other ones, but yeah. Um, but, but I found that interesting and I found it somewhat refreshing because as we've talked about, whether it's talking about the star Wars movies or when we talked about, you know, Thrawn in the last episode, it's just like, there comes a point where you just, you don't need it to be life and death all the time. You know, like you yes. can tell a good story without it having to be, you know, the entire, you know, plane of existence has to be saved by what the hero's doing. You know, it just, it, yeah, it's just nice to have, uh, and, and I don't want to get, I mean, we'll, we'll get to the, the, the story and, and how it plays out and where it ends. But, but I, I found that, you know, really when this story resolves, it doesn't resolve on some massive thing happening. It just kind of, resolves you know yeah <laughs> it's just like yeah and off we go you know <laughs> it was just yeah. like not really anything cataclysmic going on so it's just kind of interesting that way and i think it's it's you need stories like that there is a place for that like everything yeah. like you say it doesn't have to be life and death you know the universe hangs in the balance it's why a movie like uh one of my favorite movies is chef uh, the John Favreau movie. Ah, I haven't seen that. I, mean, I wanted to see it, but oh, dude, you got to see it. It's nice. awesome, nice. and and it's it's even better if you've ever worked in a restaurant because then it's like, you you just you're like, oh wait, I know a few of these people. <laughs> I, I've worked with them. Yeah, I, I shared I shared an apartment with that one. I almost got stabbed by that one. Um, but it's I mean it's great, and but the uh, and I think it was on. Uh, Fat Man Beyond, where they were talking about how those characters don't actually change that much. You know, they don't... Or actually, it might have been a discussion on Reddit. I don't know how I'm getting Reddit and Fat Man Beyond confused, but, you know, that's my brain. Uh, but basically, how those those characters don't really change all that much. They, You know, they, they, they have an arc and things happen, but it's not like... It's not like it's the end of the world, but it's a pleasant story. It's yeah. a nice yarn, yeah. you know? Yeah. And I feel like I feel like this book does a great job in terms of telling you a, a nice yarn that as the books progress, I think the stakes kind of increase, but yet they don't increase in a way that you're normally going to see in like a regular sci-fi book. It increases in this weird, absurd, ridiculous fashion. And just the way that Adams was able to sustain that atmosphere throughout the entire book and it never gets too heavy it never gets too light it's all if it's me it just is right down the middle it is right in the sweet spot every single page and that is so rare yeah yeah that, that you can pull that off comedy is really hard yeah you know i mean you ask anybody like being funny is just really 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 hard to do consistently yeah all the time yeah. and i mean he manages to do it throughout the entire book no, beginning agreed. to end. Agreed. Oh my gosh, fantastic! So, so now you mentioned Ar uh, Arthur. You mentioned Ford. Which uh, so we have to. I'll I'll just throw this out there for those people who don't know. And and of course, if you haven't read these books and you don't want anything spoiled, feel free to pause this, go read the book, and then come back because it'll only take you you know an afternoon. Uh, but Ford Prefect was named after a car 
that was in the in a European or UK car made by Ford. And uh, the whole idea being that Ford Prefect came from a, a different planet. Of course, he's an alien, and he did bad research. So he mistook the dominant form of life on Earth and figured, hey, Ford Prefect, I'll fit in, I'll fit in perfectly. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> and it wasn't. But a lot of people in America missed that because they didn't know what the Ford Prefect was. So they all thought it was a misspelling in the book. <laughs> <laughs> I thought it was. They thought it was supposed to be Ford Perfect, oh, which I think I might have. Well, the first time I read it, I might have misread that. In, in terms of like, I might have. I might have switched those letters in my head somewhere. So by the end of the book, I was reading it as Ford Perfect. I might have done that. I don't remember. It's it's been a few years. But uh, so now we've we've talked about Arthur. We talked about Ford. What do you think about the other characters? What did you think about Zaphod? What did you think about about Trillion? I mean, come on, spill spill it all. Yeah, I hear so it all. so uh, yeah, we talk about Arthur Ford. Um, you know, even Ford as as the story goes on, kind of plays a little bit more of a, a background role. You know, like mm-hmm. it doesn't really have a major impact on things as the story goes on. It, it feels like once once they get into the heart of gold ship with Zaphod Beeblebrox and Trillion, it seems like at that point it's it's a lot of it's Zaphod. He he just kind of starts mm. taking over from a you know largeness of personality standpoint. You know what I mean? Like mm-hmm. it just seems like he he just starts to dominate. You know um, the story because I mean you know he he's uh, uh, you know as the story progresses you find out he's you know president of the galaxy. He steals this spaceship um, that was designed with the uh, what was it called the the, the infinite, infinite improbability probability drive. drive, which is is such like a dorky thing but I, at the same time like that is actually the most imaginative way that you've that anyone has ever thought of moving stuff from one point to another yes because everything is like warp drive and this and that and the other it's like no this this actually just uses improbability calculations yes and like it allows it to travel instantaneously to any point in space by simultaneously passing through every point in the universe yes. at once which causes problems, you might say. Yes, yes. <laughs> it, it, actually, no. It causes complications. You should, yes. I should say. Um, actually, before we go too far down the road with with Zaphod, I do have to back up a little bit to when they were on the Vogon ship, and have yes. to say that I did find it really funny that the primary means of torture by the Vogons was to read their poetry. <laughs> oh. And so another bit. So when they when they talk about you know it, Vogon poetry is is to be is known as the third worst poetry in the galaxy, and then the second worst is by this one guy, uh, and then the, this other alien, and then the first, the worst poetry in all of the galaxy is this woman who lives in the UK, and it, it gives her name. And at, when Douglas Adams originally wrote it, he used a real person's name that I think he went to school with. Oh, jeez. And they made him change it because like you're gonna get sued. <laughs> so it's been it's been altered, but that was a real person. Oh my gosh, oh, wait, that's awesome. Well, oh yeah, the poetry, and then and the, they have like all of the things hooked up to them to like to to kind of uh, emphasize like the imagery and all that, so it amps up the experience even more. Oh, and and, and, and that's where I felt like it. Like at that point in the story, it was becoming that British humor or I, I would even go as, I, I mean, not saying he was cribbing Monty Python, but that's something I would expect a Monty Python kind of sketch to have, you know, like, Oh, you totally, you know, yeah. you're going to be tortured by poetry, you know, yeah. <laughs> it's just like that just fits the Monty Python MO, you know, completely. But it, 
But at the same time, it, it does fit in that whole idea of like this, this race of creatures that, uh, as, as he says in the book, like basically like they washed up on the shore and, uh, and it's almost like evolution just said, eh, and gave up. And yeah. that they haven't really evolved since that point, but, but they've, they have this sheer dogged determination mm-hmm. to continue. And that against all odds, this species has, has gotten to the point where they, they actually have interstellar flight. And, but they're, but they're because of this combination of factors they're like the bureaucratic there's they're, they're those people who you've worked for or who you've encountered in in like city hall or when you're trying to get a permit or something and it just seems like their entire purpose in life is just to just mess with you and to slow everything down and to adhere to every single little bit of minutiae and you're just like can't we just do the thing can't we just right can't you just give me a, right. oh no there's these five forms that must be filled out and i have to ask you three questions and you know all of this stuff it's like it's perfect because again you you pick up on you like i've met that person <laughs> well and and the way the story starts out like arthur dent and ford prefect are coming from that right i mean yes dent's house is supposed to be bulldozed over because of you know whatever was decided by the city government. Well, it was a, it was a highway bypass. It was it was a bypass, right. and it's a hyperspace bypass that demolishes the earth. Right. It's, right. And and oh, it's you know great. so in a lot of ways, like you were just saying, like Arthur didn't just you know experience that sort of thing with humanity with a human, let alone with an alien now. Yeah. Um, and you know so so getting taken up into you know this this Vogon ship, um, they they go through the torture, and then I I forget what exactly happens that leads them. To uh, being Rosalind, um, but uh, yeah, they, they they are put out an airlock. <laughs> I swear it! I'm coming for all of you! Out the airlock with you. I'm coming for you! Oh my gosh. Oh, I, get chi- I got chills just when you did that, because I just remember it. <laughs> oh, Wasn't that long ago? <laughs> no. And the funny thing is, I started listening to Battlestar Galacticast. Oh, uh, and they're in they're in season four. And and the funny thing is, Mark Bernardin had mentioned like he's like I've listened, I've I've listened, uh, yeah, like it's an old timey radio show. <laughs> Battlestar Galactica coming up next, brought to you by Ovaltine. Um, no, he 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 says I I watched the beginning of the series, you know, kind of like season one, season two, because they're just like masterful and perfect. And he says I didn't really watch see, rewatch season four as much. And he says, I was kind yeah. of pleasantly surprised going back through and rewatching them for this. And and Trisha Helfer was funny too, because she's like, Yeah, me neither. Yeah. Well, I mean, I I watched them, but <laughs> Yeah, yeah. It is kind of funny. Like I I can imagine if you've it's almost like, well, so I was in a band that recorded a recorded an album. And I don't go back and listen to that album all the time. Right. Occasionally I've I've you know, pull it up on the iPhone while I'm driving around just to listen to a song or something like, yeah, you know what? That sounded really good. Yeah, yeah. We did a good job on that. But I can imagine that with actors and stuff, they're like, yeah, the last thing I want to do is go watch my own movie. Do you know all the stuff I had to do to go through that? Like, I'm done. Yeah. I'm, I've, 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 I've read those lines so many times. I don't want to hear them come out of my own mouth again. <laughs> I'm good. You know? Yeah. I need 10 years before I can go back and rewatch all that. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah. But anyway. So yeah. They well. They uh, so Arthur tries to bamboozle the Vogon by telling him his poetry is good, and the Vogon doesn't buy it because he's like, "No, I know my poetry is crap. <laughs> You're lying. Out the airlock <laughs> with you." And, so and, yeah. and but then the best part is like as as they're going to the airlock, then Ford is trying to like 
like work on the guy who's supposed to throw them out the airlock and is trying to kind of turn him around and like, oh, don't you think? Uh, and and again, it's like almost gets there and then nope, I'm gonna throw you out the airlock anyways. And yep. <laughs> just again, more and more, just like you're, you're like, oh, maybe this is nope. They're gonna get they get tossed out the airlock. Yeah, you know. Oh my gosh, great. Well, and then them ending up on the heart of gold ship. I I gotta be honest that that was the one thing that really. Like if if something didn't hit me quite right, it's you know, or 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 if I have like a hill I'm gonna die on when it comes to sci-fi and stuff, it's like I, I I like there to be hard and fast rules with spaceships, and I felt like this one it was just way too. Oh, you're in the wrong out, book for that. Well, sir. I know it was way <laughs> too out there. You know what I mean? Like, well, but see, here's the thing though. Like, in, in the the beautiful thing about this is, and it's sort of like a you know, even in some of the things that we've we've talked about before with movies or whatever, where they've structured it in such a way that they're forcing you to accept something that even though you're like, this doesn't make sense, I don't like it. I, I want my things to line up this way, but they wrote it in a way where you're like, well, damn it, it's in the parameters. Like, it's an improbability drive, so therefore it it will do the most improbable things mm-hmm. imaginable, and saving people who only have 30 seconds worth of air in their lungs at second 29 mm-hmm. is one of the most improbable, in, in all of space. Yes, yeah. Of all of space to choose from, they show up there to save them at 29 seconds and counting. Mm-hmm. It is the it is like one of the most improbable things that you could ever imagine happening. And it's like, well, but that doesn't make any sense. Well, no, it doesn't because, of course, it doesn't because that's how the ship got there in the first place because of how improbable it is. I'm yeah. like, son of a bitch, Adams, you, <laughs> <laughs> you you have a get out of jail free card that you never have to turn in right. as long as they have this ship. Like you have an infinite number of possibilities of what you can do because you're like, oh well, it's improbable. Well, that's what they're gonna do. Right. Right. Oh, it's beautiful. Well, and, and 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 that part I didn't mind so much them getting picked up. It's more like all of the, you know, it seemed like at, at the time they were running the drive, it's like the ship has no form or it just mm. it goes into these like weird states. And mm-hmm. that, that was the part I had the hardest time wrapping my head around. I mean, th- it, you know, th- that's a, like, one small part of the book. It's not like it's a constant thing that you you deal with throughout the book or anything like that so it, it didn't kill it for me but i will say that was a part that i just kind of i had a hard time latching onto that a little bit because i'm just so concrete about my starships darn it so well, um, i can understand that so i mean but you know honestly that's that that's that's a minor nit in 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 the grand scheme of things but but zephod beeblebrox he kind of becomes like the focal point and 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 you know we'll we'll talk about this later when we get into the second book uh, in, in in a different episode, but um, you know, but but he turns out to be kind of an uh, I don't mean to say kind of an interesting character. He he seems more of like a charlatan salesman-y kind of type of guy, which he is. But oh yeah, as time goes on, there like I and I don't know if I made more of this than it really needed to be, but I thought there the the whole mystery about you know that that whole thing about him doing something to his brain to lock certain things away or something like mm-hmm. that I thought was going to lead to something later on in the book and it it didn't really oh it might but it may later on in some of the other books mm-hmm. aha so uh, the way I think about Zaphod is he's Jack Sparrow with better explanation <laughs> actually I could see that yes because even I mean he even says like that you can never tell whether he's being intentionally stupid just stupid or 
or unintentionally stupid. And they're three separate things, but the result is always the same and it keeps everyone guessing and no one is really sure what's going on. And you kind of come to realize like, you're not sure if he understands what's going on. Right. That's the thing. But he's also clever enough that it's, it's always a question. And that's sort of the same deal with, with, uh, with Jack Sparrow is you're not sure if it's happening by accident, but yet he's demonstrated just enough cleverness yeah. <laughs> that, yeah. you, that you always have to keep in mind. He might have done it on purpose, right. you know, right. and, and I do like how he does kind of take over because that's exactly what his character does anyways. Yeah. Yeah. You know, so it's only natural that, yeah, he kind of takes over the book in a way when he shows up. Yeah. And so and then Trillian, um, I mean, her character really doesn't do a whole lot, I don't feel, in the book. Mm. I, I, yeah, I, she, unless I was becomes, missing something, but no, she becomes more prominent later as the books go on. Okay, um, and and you really you do get more out of her character, but in this first one, she really is just there, kind of as you know, as as Zaphod's girlfriend. Really, yeah. I mean, kind of. Well, <laughs> more traveling companion than anything else. I mean, it seems like she. Yeah, she she's trying to take seriously, you know, flying the ship more than he is. Well, but she, what was it? Doesn't she have a degree, like dual degree in like engineering and astrophysics? I think so, yeah. yeah. So, I mean, it, it, the other thing that is cool is it's not just like, you know, when I said girlfriend, I don't, I, because there is a degree of together ishness with them. But yeah, travel companion is probably closer because honestly, yeah, she's way smarter than him. Yeah. <laughs> for, for certain. I mean, good sweet lord. Then again, you know, <laughs> the the ship's computer is smarter than Zaphod, but you know. Well, and, and and that's another thing that was kind of like missing in the book, but 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 not really missing in the sense that the that the story required it was, you you know, throughout all of the story, there there really isn't any sort of like romance or love angle being worked really on anything. You know, I mean, if if, if anything yeah. is being done, it's like Arthur, you know remembering that she was someone he was trying to like pick up at a party one time you yeah know? and that was that happened to be the night that Zaphod you end up finding out Zaphod go, had, had gone to earth and that's where he picked her up and yeah so um you know but which adds adds a little tension but it also then just shows just how inept Arthur is as a as an individual that he'd spent like hours trying to chat this this woman up and this dude comes in and says like one line and she's like all right see it yeah yeah <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> oh man, just another another punch to the gut for Arthur. Yes. Yes. So so they travel to uh well, well I don't know, do, do you want to do characters or just kind of walk the story or how do you want to do it? Well, no, I mean we don't have to walk the whole story cuz honestly, if anything, I, I people just need to I I know I know thou, hundreds of thousands of people have read this book, but if you have not read this book, it, oh my gosh, it's just so fun. It's so fun. So I don't want to go through everything. Could I divert uh, to the um the uh scene with the uh missiles turning into what they turn into? Yes, a whale and a and a bowl of petunias. Well, and and here's the reason why I want to touch on it because I think again it brings out what you said about you know the the brilliance of Adams's writing because when so so they they travel to this this legendary planet Zaphod is is searching for something and when they get there the the planet's defense systems come online and fire two nuclear missiles at them and so while they're trying to figure out how to 
avoid them. Um, and I, th- I think Zaphod's trying to turn on the improb, or I think Arthur turns on the improbability drive or something like that. Well, yeah, Zaphod's trying to do uh, evasive action. He's trying to fly the ship and he can't, and they end yeah. up going all over the place. And Arthur is finally the one that actually saves their asses, which yeah. is. So he, he in and of itself an improbable event. Yeah, so he he activates the improbability drive, which causes the heart of gold to remain, uh, you know, flying in the planet. But it turns the missiles into a sperm whale and a bowl of petunias. Yes. Here's the brilliance of the writing point I want to bring out because oh, from yes, that please, point, and I think you know where I'm going. Oh yeah. Adams then spends a chapter, a short chapter, describing the sperm whale's thought process as it is descending from wherever it is down to its demise on the ground. Preach it, brother. <laughs> Preach it. <laughs> oh my brother! Oh testify! I thought that was that was hysterical and it was like I, I, I had never read I, I I shouldn't say I've never read something like that, but I mean it's just that kind of writing is rare and mm-hmm. it actually if i could relate it to anything it really reminded me in some ways of um i, th- I think his name is alan moore but but the guy who who wrote watchman yes when yeah, yeah. when when he would walk through dr man's manhattan's perspective you know like i am in, you know now i am you know 21 and i'm here or now i am yeah, yeah. you know whatever like that was when i read that i'm like that reminded me a lot of and, and I don't know if Moore took that 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 inspiration from Adams's book or not. I mean, it seemed, those two seem kind of close for it to be a uh, you know a work that inspired someone. I think Watchmen mm. was early '80s, so it you know so I don't know, but yeah, it just reminded me a lot of that. You know, like like that sort of perspective writing, and you know, it's one chapter and it's just the demise of the sperm. <laughs> Well, but but then you can't forget like the kicker because you think like oh my gosh like that was that was absurd and ridiculous yes. and funny and all of that, and and so now the thing is you have to you have to understand the the, the sperm whale has has appeared or a, a missile has changed from a missile to a sperm whale in the atmosphere yes, and it begins to fall, mm-hmm. so the entire inner monologue that you're you're talking about. Is is as the sperm whale is falling to the ground, and also the bowl of petunias is falling to the ground, and so the whole description of the of the whale coming to itself and understanding all these things, and and then you know curse splat, and then you're like, oh my gosh, that was absolutely absurd, and then the kicker is at the end, he's like, the only thought the bowl of petunia has, bowl of petunias had was, oh no, not again. <laughs> Like just when you thought you had, you thought you were done. Like you throw yeah. a little extra in there. Like yeah. oh, yeah. that that is beautiful. Yeah. Oh, he's, oh my gosh. Yeah, just love it. Absolutely love it. Yeah. Now, now, what did you think about Marvin, the paranoid android? Oh, I thought that was funny. I I thought that was that was some good comedy. You know, just just with him always being you know negative and you know assuming the worst. It it just. You know, in some ways, it was kind of a, a, you know, I don't want to say it was a take on C three PO, but but it reminded me of that. You know, like just mm, just the kind of mm-hmm. annoying, you know, robot who who just you know ends up spending more time you know annoying people than doing anything helpful. You know, and so yeah. Um, but 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 I did like how you know again, and 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 it's the brilliance of the writing. So where where did I? I'm trying to remember if this was when we talked about Thrawn because I I was listening I was listening to our own episode. And you might have said this, but 
No, 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 no. This is I, I'm thinking about something else. I, I read a review of um, the Breaking Bad uh, finale, and okay, that's two way different things. And and Vince Gillian, <laughs> G- Gillian or Gilliam, I forget his name, said that when they they used a particular device uh, or or something to to take out a character in in uh, a, a bad guy in the finale. And and I forget the author he referenced, but he said, you know, they, they kind of abided by this rule that you don't introduce a gun in, in Act 1 without using it in Act 3. You know what I mean? Yeah. And, mm-hmm. and you know, I kind of feel like here this is what, what Adams was doing because he introduces Marvin in this way um, mm-hmm. where he's more annoying than anything, but then he ends up playing a pretty key role in helping them get out of a jam toward the end <laughs> The, yeah, the book. And Which I'm sorry that fan- was a long-winded way to get to that point, but uh, but I I was trying to work through my own muddled thoughts, but 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 I liked how how he used him that way. You know, like it, it wasn't like he was there just to be comic relief. At some point, I mean, he's comic relief, but then he's comic relief with a purpose toward the end. So, um yeah. so that that was kind of funny where where he basically like what did he do? He was talking to the um he was talking to the cop ship, and the and the cop ship got so tired of, of him being depressing that it actually the the ship committed suicide. Right, right, right. And the ship and the ship was controlling the the life support of the two cops, and or the, the two like intergalactic police who are right. trying to get the other main characters, and so they died too. Right, the, right. The ship was just like I can't take it anymore. Right, right. Mar- Marvin <laughs> had, had had driven it to, to to the edge. So yeah, so yeah, so oh, so I, I so I thought that was kind of a, a an interesting interesting way to use a character like that because otherwise you know he he, he was just kind of comic relief mixed into the absurdity of what you were reading anyways so yeah well the funny thing is apparently adams had only written him for like a one-line joke early in the radio plays or maybe it was in the in the novel i think it was a radio plays and then one of the i think someone one of the producers or something liked the character and encouraged him to write more. Yeah. So that's how he ended up becoming kind of a bigger part of the ongoing story. But the the funny part is so the there was a there was a TV show that was made about these in the 80s I want to say. Mm-hmm. And that was I think a BBC show. And then the 2005 uh movie was uh was a kind of a big deal cuz you had what was it Sam Rockwell, Mostef, uh Shoot, I can't remember who some of the other actors and actresses were. Uh, Stephen Fry played the the part of the the guide. He was kind of the narrator, if you will, of the guide parts when when the guide would explain something. He was the voice. However, the voice of Marvin was Alan Rickman. <laughs> That's a good. That, that is a good pick for that sort of thing. And now when I read this, read these books, I cannot read Marvin without hearing Alan Rickman's voice. I think you ought to know I'm feeling very depressed. Because it just, now those two have meshed for me. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And that's probably the best part of the, of the movie. The, the, the movie wasn't horrible, but it's, it's, it just can't hold a candle to the book to me. Um, so that was the one thing that, because I know you'd mentioned the movie earlier, that's the one bit out of the movie that I've taken and kind of incorporated into my own personal version of these books. Yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah. And, and, and I could totally see it because it, it, it is, it's just one of those characters that, you know, you apply a voice like Rickman's to it and it just, it just enhances it. Oh yeah. Yeah. It just so, oh, it so fits. Yeah. So fits. Yeah. Yeah. Oh my gosh. But yeah, I think, and, and I mean, 
I don't really know. I don't know where else to go with the with talking about this because I. I, I know I'm just going to be a broken record. I have nothing about this book that I dislike. I know that's a shocker to everybody who listened to our last episode. I have nothing to say bad about this book. Um, so it would be real boring maybe for people to listen to so I won't be ranting and raving. I mean, I I, I, I liked how, you know, the, this whole journey to, to Magrathea was, you know, I like the background behind the, you know, the race that had gone dormant. And, mm. and and of course, I love the capitalistic reasons why, or capitalism reasons why they, <laughs> why why, yeah. why they were dormant because they wanted to wait tens of thousands of years to wait out an economic recession. Oh. <laughs> I need money. Millions. It was like five million years. Oh, that's that right. They, it was they, millions. You're right. You're right. Yeah, and and it still wasn't. They still weren't around because they designed. It was it was custom planets, which yes, yep. are going to be expensive. Make money, money. Make money, money, money. <laughs> And they basically they accumulated so much of the wealth that everyone else crashed. Right. It's like we're going to go to sleep until everybody's built enough cash that we can then show back up, pedal our wares, crash the economy again, and go back probably go back to sleep. Yes. Yeah. And 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 how how uh, how prescient of of Adams to write something like that because you know let's be honest that seems to be the cycle that that business goes through. So yeah, I was going to say it's one hell of a business plan when you get, when you come down to it. We're only missing like the deep sleep portion of it now. Yes. 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 Well, and the whole custom planets thing, but I mean that's probably coming in 2021. So actually, no, that'll be November in 2020. Someone's going to have a custom made planet, and none of us are invited. <laughs> that's what it's going to be. Sorry, I'm just very negative about this year right now. <laughs> much like, much like everybody else. Actually, has anybody checked in on Lewis Black? Do we need we need to do a wellness wellness visit I, for him? Because you know that's a really good point because. He might have his head might have exploded. Poor, poor Lewis Black was was already you know on oh, on on the cusp of probably having a stroke when he was on the Daily Show, and now it's just like what, what, oh what? he was twitchy before. I can only imagine right now. Holy moly! I mean, there there there's there's just no logic with anything at this point. But well, his episode of comedians in cars getting coffee is is one of my favorites because as he's driving, he talks about how he gave up driving. And he, he's he's yelling at people as they're driving, <laughs> and Seinfeld is like, "Yeah, you're probably you should probably give up driving if you can't stop yelling at people when you're not even driving." <laughs> That's funny. Oh my gosh, yeah. So if if you know Lewis Black, if any of our listeners know Lewis Black, just please check in on him and just maybe just let us know or something. Yeah, if he's okay, we we need Lewis. We need Lewis get, you know, these get, days. Just like giving Stevie a big, give him a little ha ha. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. And then and then duck because he probably will throw something he, at yeah, you. Yeah, he he will. <laughs> what do you want? <laughs> I have to say, Pennsylvania is boring as hell when the month's big event is a meat raffle. <laughs> Crash! I always loved his segments on the Daily Show. Absolutely oh loved gosh. the Back in Black segments. He was fantastic. Oh, uh, he is. I, I haven't watched it in a while. I don't know if he's still on or if he still does appearances with them. But my gosh, he was hysterical. I think I've seen a couple on YouTube where he he has done it since then. But my favorite his... line of his was, he he said something and then he's like, no, he's like, don't think about that for more than ten seconds because otherwise blood will come squirting out your nose. Yes. <laughs> Well, no, that was if my if it weren't for my horse, I would have never made it through college. <laughs> I remember that. And then he managed to cycle it around at the very end of the show. He brought it. He did that as a callback. I was like, "Oh, you, you brilliant bastard, you!" Oh, 
I just, I, I, oh. I just, you, you're too good. You're too good, sir. So yeah, please, can we put, can we put Lewis Black in bubble wrap? I think right so. now. I think so. All right, good. Uh, so back to the book. So back to the book. Um, so so I'm kind of getting, you know, kind of leading into, you know, the 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 slaughter bark fast. Uh, his his overview with Arthur about you know the history and and what's kind of gone on. Um, you know, he gets into um, you know really what led to us doing this this review for for the number forty two episode for our show. Mm. Uh, the the answer to the ultimate question to life, the universe, and everything forty two. Uh, which was de- which was divined by the supercomputer named Deep Thought, and yeah, after millions of years of computation, after millions of years of computation, and and what what I liked about what Adams did with this is it wasn't you know again there there were layers of absurdity or or events of absurdity that happened throughout this 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 book, and you start reading this and you're like oh where is this going and you know okay forty two. And then you come to find out, and I thought this was this was really brilliant, was that he ties it all back to Earth. Mm-hmm. You know that that, like you said, that they, you know, once the answer was was, you know, uh, determined, uh, then the descendants of of those who who were were trying to get the answer realized they didn't know what the question was. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> which is fantastic because Ed, when you think about it, like people ask like. What is the answer to life? Well, what's the question? Right, right. You, I mean, you don't necessarily think about that. You're like, oh, what is you know? Oh my god. Oh yeah, that was. I thought that was so great. I even remember as a, as a kid reading that and going, huh, that's a good point. Yeah, <laughs> like that's the one thing that didn't blow over my head like a you know, like a Concorde jet on takeoff. I'm like, oh, <laughs> huh, that's that's a, a a rather good point, Mr. Adams. Uh huh. Uh huh. So, yeah. so the fact that Earth was itself actually a computer that was built mm. to come up with that question, and that it was five minutes away from having the question when it was decimated by the Vogans, was which was just sweet irony. The way sweet irony, isn't it always the way? I mean, yes. you know, you're just about to finish something up, and then you know, interstellar bureaucrats show up and just blow the whole thing up. Yeah. I mean, ah, if I had a nickel, oh, for every time. So, so I, I, you know, I, I liked how, and, and, you know, like we were saying earlier, I, I liked how this was kind of the, the crux or the focus of, of the plot in a lot of ways was, was just kind of coming to this understanding of how we got here. You know what I mean? Like, like through Mm -hmm. his storytelling, you, you understand now, you know, at least in his version of the universe, this is the purpose of earth. You know, our Arthur Dent is the one who kind of understands now what was going on. I, I mean, I don't want to say understands, but he at least intakes the information from, from Slaughter Barkfest. Mm-hmm. And, you know, you, you get a sense of now there, there was repercussions for earth being destroyed. So, yeah. So, that, that now reverberate throughout the universe. Um, well, now and keep in mind, earth was so little thought of that in the hitchhiker's guide to the galaxy, the, the actual book within the book, it was described as harmless. Yes. And which Ford then said he had, he had managed to, to puff it up a bit so that it was mostly harmless. <laughs> That was the entire entry for Earth yes. in the Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy. And then to find out, like, oh, this was actually the key to understanding everything. Yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. Sweet irony. Yes. Very, very, very well done. And then, of course, 
you know, continuing with, with the irony and the absurdity is you end up finding out that the, the hyper-intelligent super beings that um, were, were trying to find this question uh, turned out to take the form of mice. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Well, they're, they're interdimensional. In, they're yes, multidimensional, thank you. Thank you. which is amazing. That, and this is how they poke through into our dimension as mice. Yes. And, and, and that is, I think, you know, what, what Trillian's big you know, kind of impact on all of this was because I think it was her pet mice that were the ones that end up being, yes. you know, the ones who were trying to understand what the question was. And then, well, the funny thing is that it, it wasn't even that it was part of their grand plan. They finished up their bit of the computation early yep. and then took off with her. Like, and, and somehow like they're like, Oh, we're just pop off for a vacation. The whole planet blew up. <laughs> yes. Jeez. Yes. So so then Slaughter Bartfast uh, reveals their bill, you know that that this his race is building another Earth, second Earth. Yeah, because they were the ones that built it in the first place. Yeah. And they're going to try to start over again, start the process over again. And the mice just want to take Arthur's brain, which I thought, <laughs> which I thought was kind of an interesting way to approach the problem. And then they yeah. apparently decide that they're just going to make up a uh, a question. <laughs> Well, that's after they after all of the the gang kind of runs away, right, right, right. Which is you know because the mice are like, what are we going to do? We're mice, and uh, yeah, they just they're going to make up the thing, and and yeah, yeah. Oh, which which it, which I love. The main reason they made it up though was because they were hoping to start a lucrative career on on basically talk shows and the lecture circuit yeah. in their home dimension. <laughs> make money, money, make money, so money, so Adams. <laughs> Again, definitely just weaves in just a a complete Earth concept into in you know just just a concept that we all can relate to uh, and and you know have seen in in media and in you know celebrity circles or or you know whatnot you know just this sort of mentality of you know we're just gonna make something up so it sounds good when we go on the uh, circuit so yeah well I mean think about how many of these people who are on, on like the the Sunday talk shows or whatever you know like oh political pundits and this and that and the other yeah or even think about how many ex coaches get get fired and then working up as working as analysts yes yes for for TV shows like dude if you knew all those answers back when you'd be coaching you'd still be coaching mm-hmm. so like Tony Romo like oh they're gonna run a fly right this and that and he was like hey you know hey Tony if you could call out defenses this well you might have had a Super Bowl I'm just throwing it out there. (laughs) What happened? Yep. (sighs) So I just like how, you know, from from the start of the book all the way through to the end, like everything has a purpose and a reason to it. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. And and it all kind of gets, you know, I'm not going to say it all gets gets tied up neatly because honestly, when when the end of the book came. And I and I, you know, I, I bought the ultimate hitchhiker's guides, you know, a digital copy. So I'm just, you know, flipping through pages in the Kindle app. And when I get to the end, and I flip and I see that it says, you know, the restaurant, the end of the universe, chapter one. I'm like, that was it. That was the end. Yep. You know what I mean? Like, like that really surprised me. I, I not that it was a bad ending, but it was just like it just for, for me, I, I thought there would be a little bit more. When I realized it was the ending, I'm like, okay, so now this continues on, and you know, and 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 so forth. So, which again, I thought was kind of refreshing. I I, I got to be honest, you know, not having a story finish cleanly, not having it finish, you, you know, they they get back on the ship, they take off, and you know, Zaphod's kind of like, oh, let's get a bite to eat at the restaurant at the end of the universe, and it's like, yeah, that seems reasonable, I suppose, given everything else that's happened, and yeah. uh, and and then that's it, and. You're you're kind of sitting back, like just absorbing it all. Like, 
wow, this 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 really this ended and and you you came away with some some closure in some ways of why certain things happened in in the story, you know, from the beginning. But mm-hmm. yet, you know, I was ready to kind of dive into the next book to kind of see how things progress forward. Yeah. Well, and that's and and again, people can point at me for being somewhat hypocritical because I that was one of my big complaints with uh, the third book of the Thrawn trilogy. It was and, and here we just end. Yeah. Because this is where it has to end because it was dictated that we shall end on this this and that page and there you go. That's a novel. Enjoy. And uh, which actually is a joke is a joke I think in one of the Hitchhiker's books where every uh, this one race every single novel ends at a it, it's a certain number of pages mm-hmm. so whether or not anything has been resolved that's just where the book ends yeah yep. and I, and it's you know so you can call me a hypocrite for saying that i'm i'm okay with this here but not there it's that it's the way that the books are set up yeah and and the just the absurd way that the book plays out and the way that you're in this universe this kind of ending makes sense yes Th- yeah that you just would be like oh yeah and then all right, next, <laughs> because you look at you look at these characters like one is completely clueless, one is just along for the ride, and the other one he may or may not be, be being an idiot on purpose mm-hmm. or just by accident. Yeah, who knows? Yeah. It, okay, it makes perfect sense why they would just be like, "Hey, let's go get lunch." Yeah, <laughs> yeah, okay. and and you know you you kind of alluded to this earlier, but you know you, you don't get Adams doesn't go into to great detail about you know, um, elements of the ship, um, elements of, you know, Magrathia, um, you know, we, we get a little bit of the history, but we don't have to get everything, you know what I mean? And, mm-hmm. and I, I feel like you were saying, uh, you know, I didn't come into this with this, I, you know, with the same opinion or, or idea, at least when, when you said about the brilliance of his writing, it wasn't until we started talking about it. And as we've been talking about it, I've been thinking through, these different aspects of the story and and really what's kind of standing out to me is is that cohesiveness with it. I mean, he doesn't go into all this detail that you would maybe think you would need in in a science fictiony sort of way and yet it all kind of feels very clean. You know what I yeah. mean? Like 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 the writing, the flow of the story, you know, like I said you you go on these tangents but they all all the tangents end up it's almost like you're you're kind of riding a wave of water and and the water splits off like you're on a water slide and you're 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 you know you're just going down the middle slide and yet water splits off into two other slides it comes back together at some point. You know what I mean? Like yeah. that's how the story flows. Like you just kind of you take these detours but everything has a purpose and everything has a point and it and it only helps to build you know not only the world or the universe but but it builds, you know, context for what comes next. And it's funny to, for me to say this because then there's the absurdity part of it that comes into it. You know, like like what you're reading and, and just the ideas and some of the things he put forth is just absurd, but yet it just makes so much sense within the context of the book. Oh, yeah, like the Babelfish. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I mean, it, it, it absolutely, but at the same time, it is such a brilliant idea mm-hmm. to like solve every science fiction issue ever yes of like yeah. well how does everybody speak the same language across an entire galaxy oh well here's a way this fish just put it in your ear and it's it's this weird sort of parasite but it's the most beneficial parasite in history <laughs> <laughs> okay i'll allow it 
damn you, Adams. Yes. That was good. Yes. Oh. Yes. Oh my gosh. Yeah. Oh, and yeah, he he just yeah. Just so, and I have to believe, so like like you brought up when you were giving kind of the the history of of you know how the book came to be and and Adams and you know his journey to, to writing it. I have to believe that you know some of this is a product of like you said that he he spent a lot of time or, or he, over time he just developed the story you know and 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 when you were saying that what kind of you know. He, you know, the, the thought that popped into my head as you were saying that is, you know, maybe that's sometimes what, what great art needs is time. Oh yeah. You know what I mean? Like we, we live in this time where, you know, we, we've done reviews about Rise of Skywalker and Last Jedi and, you know, these, these episodes seven, eight, nine of Star Wars and there's things we liked and there's things we were disappointed with. The, the stuff gets cranked out so fast, you know, that it's almost like in some ways, it's just too bad that, that you just can't be content with just, you know, a piece of work. You know what I mean? Yeah. I, I think everyone works at a different speed. Yeah. And there are some musicians who go, I mean, for God's sake, I mean, back in the day, like Bruce Springsteen was infamous for, he went for a period of like, it was, it was four or five years between albums, which might not seem so much now because I, I'm not even sure what, everybody's album cycle is but i mean back in the day like in the 60s and the 70s like if you were hot you put out an album every damn year otherwise you were worried people would forget about you and and there were you know bands like james brown would he would hop into whatever recording studio he could record the next hit single and get it out and continue to tour that's just the way it was right um, and there's there's some authors who who work incredibly quickly. Now let's take out some of the ma- the kind of the the factory authors. There are, there are some authors who they're producing books so fast they're not doing them themselves. They have a team. It's it's yeah. written under one name, or even even like a romance authors, which for heaven's sake, I mean they. It seems like a book a week. For, I right. Mean, Danielle Steele, I think, might have passed away 20 years ago, and they're still, you know, she's still writing from beyond the grave. But an author like Stephen King, who is constantly writing and constantly producing new material and new books. And then you have other authors, like one of my favorite authors ever, Tom Robbins. He, I think he's written eight books since 1970-something. And... To me, as a huge fan of his writing style, they are all masterpieces. I'm just wishing that there was more of them. And I'm, I'm, I'm glad that we have the ones that we do, but I'm like, damn, I would love to have another 8, 10, 20 books. Yeah. But that's just not who he is. That's not who that artist is. And, you know, some people are going to churn out stuff and, and it's going to be, eh. Yeah. And some people are going to churn out stuff and, like, I mean... For Stephen King fans, they'll tell you like they think all of his books are great because that that hits their sweet spot. Yeah, yeah. I wonder if it's this, mi- this mixture between what our specific sweet spot is, mm-hmm. and also yeah, some of those people understanding what kind of artists they are and what kind of production schedule they need. Right. Obviously, right. Stephen King is like I can run out these books and it's fine. Right. People buy them, you know, and other people might just. Uh, they might not have the right cycle. Yeah, you know, yeah. if that makes any sense. Because I, I, you know, I, I read about, I think it was about a year and a half, two years ago. I read this George Lucas um, biography, and you know, when when he was writing, you know, what would become Star Wars, 
you know, there, there was a lot of time that went into just the writing of the story, the characters, you know, developing all of it. I mean, he, he just, you know, it just seems like time is one of those things that anything that, that becomes something really good just needs. So, mm. you know, so that, that you can work through, you know, the kinks that you can work through, you know, you know, some of the ideas that you start out with. I mean, I think Luke Skywalker was originally supposed to be called like, you know, Luke Starkiller or something like yeah. that. I mean, it was, yep. you know, you think about that name and you're like, oh, that would have been awful in a movie. But, you know, again, if, if you're just running ahead to just crank something out and, and I don't know why I'm going off on this tangent. I, I, it's more just, I think what you said is, is spot on. And I think it's just, you know, the fact that took Adams, you know, time for him to write this, I just think kind of lends itself to the, the art of writing that, that he put into it and just how it, how it kind of, you know, makes itself visible as, as you read through the story. Yeah. And it's, well, it's a combination of time and, and the art of revision. I mean, editing is its own art in and of itself. And, and I don't mean to say that to, to kind of go back a little bit, I don't mean to say that Stephen King just comes up with these stuff and he just chunks it all out. Like he actually has a writing process where he lets stuff live. He doesn't keep a writing notebook. Uh, I, I I was watching a video and I've I've read his book on writing and and he's very adamant in the fact that he believes a writer's notebook is the best way to keep bad ideas alive, and he 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 basically says it's if you have an idea and you think about it and you keep thinking about it and it keeps coming up and you let your brain and your subconscious work on it long enough it'll stick around, yeah. and that for him he he keeps these ideas in his head. And he talked about, I guess, uh, the the book Under the Dome, which um, I've never read. I've I've only read one Stephen King book, but I'm a big fan of him in terms of like learning the craft of writing because he is he. I think he does a really great job explaining it. But he talked about he started writing that some 20 years before it actually became a book. He started writing it and set it aside because he's like I it it I wasn't ready to tell a story that big then, and then he rewrote it. And he rewrote kind of the first chapter from memory because it, it, it was a good enough idea that it stuck in his head. And so there is that process of letting an idea kind of mature mm-hmm. in, in, your, in your mind or however. And some, and some people do keep no- notebooks and they keep note cards and outlines and all that fun stuff. Yeah. So the other, idea, the other part of this is that he had so many different uh, Douglas Adams had so many swings at this thing that he could revise it and revise it and revise it. That revision is something that is so hard to do, that editing and, and going back and, and, and changing things and finding the way that it works and finding the story through the revision because nobody writes a book and then it just gets published that way. Right, right. You know, the same as like you don't shoot a movie and, hey, here's the fil- here's the film canister or now, like, you know, here's the here's the hard drive, just send it out to the theaters. It's not the way you do it. Like there is always manipulation and and some directors have way more stuff left over than others. You know, some are, some are very much like a, you know, Hey, I know exactly how this is going to lay out. I'm going to have very few cuts. And and some are just like, I'm going to shoot everything. Right. Right. (laughs) And and like Stanley Kubrick, like take 172 (laughs) of opening a door or something, you know, and, and just, pissing off everybody because it's like I kind of wanted to go see my family this year so it's just those different ways of working but always the revision and always like that idea of 
finding the heart of the idea. I think with Adams, what he did so well with these characters is you kind of know people like some of these people. Like, you know the person who takes over everything. You know the person who's hapless. You know the person who's like Marvin, where it's just like, if, if it's, they are the Eeyore of your group. You know, if, if, if they can find a storm cloud in a sunny, sunny day, they will. You know, right. and right. he managed to distill those and then just change them enough to make them interesting so that you don't realize it's, you know, oh, it's that person I know. Yeah. 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 Anyways, that's my long winded explanation. Follow your long winded explanation. <laughs> but all in all, I liked it. And uh, I, I have started to um, progress on the restaurant at the end of the universe, the second of uh the six so nice i will continue through that we'll have to figure out if we do an episode on just that or if we uh maybe maybe uh do it on two and three or i don't know i don't know it makes sense but we'll see we'll see now now that i've taken my break uh, this was actually a good reading break for me uh i was i'm about halfway through dune and so I, I stopped reading dune to read the hitchhiker's guide to the galaxy oh and that man. must have been a hard right turn <laughs> <laughs> it was um, it was like learning to drive stick shift all over oh. again there was a lot of like herky jerky like wait, wait, wait a minute so i can't wait to dive back into that first you know the first chapter back for dune like tomorrow and just get kind of like that same feeling again of like oh wait a minute oh oh wait we're back into serious sci-fi land do i have a feeling this will be a uh, episode topic uh dune yes uh, have you read Dune? I have not, but I can uh, get the book if we need to. I, I that, that might be another one that we add to the Free Range Idiocy Book Club. That's right. We are <laughs> studious if we are nothing else. It's and let's face it, we're not like the Oprah Book Club. We're more like the, like Parks and Rec, like the Joan Calamazzo Book Club, where it's just like a huge sticker that goes on the front, and it's all about us. Yes, that's <laughs> and you know that that is evidenced by the fact that we we spent probably close to ten to fifteen minutes talking about the sperm whale that fell from the atmosphere. So, <laughs> but you know what? That was totally justified. <laughs> totally justified. Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, good recommendation, my friend. I enjoyed it, and I look forward to uh, seeing where Arthur Dent and crew end up as uh, the story progresses. Well, I'm glad that I could I could bend your mind a little bit on this one. Mm-hmm. And another thing. So what do you got for us for And Another Thing? Uh, so my week? And Another Thing uh, is the movie uh, Antebellum. I uh, saw it a couple weeks ago uh, through streaming Ooh. service, and it was actually, if you go back to our episode of uh, movies we were interested in before 2020 turned into a dumpster fire, uh, <laughs> yeah. that was one of them that I had listed. So I, uh, so, so my wife and I watched it, um, thought it was a good movie, had a very, um, I thought it was a very interesting twist in the story, and um You know, the quick synopsis is, uh, you know, successful author Veronica Henley finds herself trapped in a horrifying reality and must uncover the mind-bending mystery before it's too late. And I don't want to say too much because it's hard to say a lot about the movie without kind of spoiling the movie, Um, Mm -hmm. especially the twist part of it. But I will just say that it's a movie that I kind of came away with, you know, some things to think about. And Mm -hmm. and it it very much, um, you know, the quote that kind of comes, oh, shoot, I didn't pull the quote up. Let me see if I can find it real quick. There's a quote that uh, pops up at the beginning of the movie, and thank you, Wikipedia, for failing me. Wikipedia, 
is the best thing ever. Oh, oh sorry. I, it's it's something about the past is never really in the past, or, or sometimes is never really in the past, or something like that. And hmm. it's it's uh, you know it's a it's a story that you know ha- has a look into uh, slavery during American Civil War times, um, and it, you know just with everything going on in the world today, just you know I thought had some had some things to think about and uh you know just 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 i thought it was i I thought it was a good movie so i would just recommend it Hmm. was this kind of heavy onto the horror side of things or was it more just of a thriller variety uh more of a thriller okay not 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 a horror more of a thriller um you know, there's 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 some violence in it. There is no doubt, but um, but it's not it's not a horror like jump out of your seat sort of thing. Okay, so, maybe I'll give it a try then. Yeah, yeah, it's it's uh, very well done. I I I I liked the way it was filmed. There there's ways that they kind of told the story through imagery that I thought was really well done. Um, I I know it's kind of catching some negative reviews because of the twist and what ends up happening. But I, I just thought it was interesting because it, it's one of those things that, um, you know, when you consider, when you watch it and just consider what's going on in today's world, it, it, you know, it just gives you some things to think about. Huh? So I may give that a, I may give that a look, sir. As long as it's not like we're not talking, you know, too far into the horror spectrum no, i could be persuaded because no. that the the trailer for that looked really kind of weird and interesting to me yeah it, yeah definitely not horror and it, and it's and it's not um i don't want to say it, it it's not gory but i mean it's it's got you know there are some rough scenes to watch but okay. but there there's purpose to them if that makes sense okay fair enough so that is my end another thing well, for me, uh, I've, I'm going to go in the movie direction as well. The other, uh, actually, was it last night? No, night before. I, uh, I, I finally bit the bullet and, and watched Birds of Prey, the fantabulous emancipation of one Harley Quinn, which is, this is another one of those movies where it doesn't seem like anyone knows what the hell to call it, because then you look it up on IMDb and it's Harley Quinn colon Birds of Prey. Ah. So... Who knows? It's it's almost one of those like Edge of Tomorrow things where they found out that, you know, live, die, repeat ended up being more recognizable. So that's the big name on it. I'm like, that's not even the name of the flick, but <laughs> whatever. Uh, so uh, it, this was actually a fun watch. Um, it's it is kind of funny because. I can see the the fingerprints of of uh, well not fingerprints necessarily they they definitely followed the path of that Deadpool blazed ah, okay by by kind of having the the pseudo insane narrator main character lead you through the story and jump around and and kind of play tricks on you a little bit and uh, not so much an unreliable narrator just a a bat spit crazy narrator doing superhero ish kind of things mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. and i i enjoyed it it was a good ride i would say it's easily the third best dc movie uh out there um right after oh wait it might be the second oh uh, yeah because i haven't seen joker so I'm, I'm not even counting that one mm. but i mean wonder woman and then and then this to me uh it was a lot of fun it was there was a few things that i was like eh, you copped a little bit too much from deadpool on that yeah. but yeah. um but you know what when it comes right down to it i mean margot robbie oh my gosh she owns this role she really does and it's i do appreciate the fact that 
after Suicide Squad and the kind of the um, the the costume that they had Harley Quinn in for that movie, mm-hmm. uh, that this movie was very. I, I think she. I think she. Her quote was, "It's a lot less male gazy." sort of thing uh, like there's it's not like a hey how can we make harley quinn you know really sexualized and sexy it was just like how can we make her look like her personality mm-hmm. and it was a very different look than than suicide squad was but uh, but margot robbie is so good as this character I, I was watching it and you and you'll know where i'm heading with this i was watching and i thought i can't picture anyone else playing harley quinn except I could, I could see Katie Sackhoff playing this role, but <laughs> and there it is. I'm sorry, but actually, I I could see that, and the fact that Katie Sackhoff does like playing kind of ambiguous, like morally ambiguous roles, yes. and likes playing bad guys and stuff like that. Yes, I'm like, oh, this she could have totally done this because there's so many times when Margot Robbie is just insane. Wow. <laughs> like the character is, is just playing insane, yeah. and she does it so well. Yeah. She did a fantastic job in this movie. Nice. Um, and then we had Rosie Perez showing up in this, really. Which, oh yeah, Rosie. Uh, Rosie was great. I thought she played a, played a great part in it. And I don't have the other uh, the other actors who were in it, but they were all. Uh, oh, uh, oh, who plays the bad guy? Crap, uh, Ewan McGregor mm-hmm. is the bad guy. And the funny thing is, as I'm watching it, I kept on thinking like. Good God, it's like watching Sam Rockwell. Yeah. And then to find out he was up for the role, uh, and they kind of patterned it after what his audition was. I'm like, I hope they threw Sam a couple bucks, because I mean, that's, <laughs> that's a whole lot of work that I'm sure he threw in there. And then like, hey, yeah, just Ewan, just act like him, yeah. okay? Yeah. yeah. Here's here's the tape. Watch watch that. Oh, like, that's That that kind of sucks. But, uh, you know, uh, the Black Canary uh, role, who was um, Justice Smollett, Smollett, mm-hmm. um, and then uh, Mary Elizabeth Winstead, who plays uh, Huntress, was awesome. Um, and I, it just overall, it was a great flick. I do like how it, it just, I don't know, something about this just sat right with me, and it was a fun watch, and uh, I really enjoyed it. Nice. And, and I would I would give it I would give it two thumbs up, and especially if you happen to have HBO Max and you're kind of already paying for it anyways, go ahead and watch it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. What the up, so thank you all very much for, for, for tuning in, for getting us to a thousand downloads, for giving us some sort of like vague credibility that we definitely don't deserve. Uh, thank you so much for encouraging us, uh, probably to our, both of our detriments, uh, and, uh, and certainly to yours. Don't to encourage them. Yeah, exactly. That's, I really feel like we ought to have a third person on the show constantly just saying that, just in the background, like, don't encourage. Um, or 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 you know bring Jimmy Dice back and we can sure sure you know yeah <laughs> you know what he would do he would just have me record that and just drop it in <laughs> you whenever. should <laughs> I mean Jimmy Dice has got himself he's got himself a young kid he's he's hard on sleep these days I don't know if I could do that because I gotta be honest the sure sure is basically a very Jimmy Dice toned down version of don't encourage him <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Oh, I do. I, I, as I was editing that last episode, every so often, sure, sure. <laughs> yeah, uh-huh, 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 uh-huh. That's the other one. That's... Oh my gosh! <laughs> uh, one of these days, we'll have to get we'll have to get some stories about about Jimmy. Always when, fun uh, when we have we did gigs. Always fun. Um, 
But uh, but be sure that if you uh, if you enjoyed what you listened to, be sure to subscribe. If you didn't enjoy what you listened to, subscribe anyways, because you know. <sighs> Just help us out. Just help us out, really. We just we like to further our names on the internet, and that's really what this is all about. So you can subscribe to us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and Podbean. You go to freerangeadc.com. That has all of our episodes there. Follow us on the social medias because that always makes – honestly, it gives – Tim, a warm, tingly feeling. And uh, you can follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. All of those are at Free Range Idiocy. And then, of course, send any questions, comments, concerns, or outright offers of bribery mm-hmm. to Tim at freerangeidiocy.com. And I think that about ties up all the business And keep for in now, mind, Uncle Todd's a pool mogul, so he's looking to build those amenities for next oh, summer. No, so, no, 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 you no. know, please encourage. <laughs> that, that bad boy is drained, let me tell you. For now, I was, for now, but there will be oh next man. season. So. Actually, you know what? We're going to have to do a whole episode on me trying to drain that because that turned into a whole freaking story in and of itself, man. I, really? I don't know that I, I don't know that I, I'm, I will have to hold off on that. Maybe that'll be next week's Week in Geek tag on because my, my fantasy football team is about to be mathematically eliminated or, as of this week. Or should we, <laughs> <laughs> or should we do an episode on, 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 you know, just, Certain home home improvement stories, uh, you know, just just the oh, worst geez. of the worst sort of thing. Yeah, you I the, think you have the a money pit edition, you know. <laughs> yeah, that would be that. Actually, that's that's pretty good. I like that. Yeah, let's do. Look that. Look at that, folks. You just uh, were privy to a pre 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 production meeting. <laughs> sure, sure. Three weeks sure, before. Yeah. Sure, sure. Yeah. Oh, Look right. what I've created. <laughs> I'm gonna get actually. I'm gonna get sued by Jimmy Tyson. Oh. That's that's my gimmick. Sure, no, that's sure. his. Yeah, leave his gimmick yeah. alone, man. Gimmick infringement. That's right. Well, so we come to the end of this show now, and and we 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 hate to say goodbye, but you know, quite honestly, Tim's about ready to doze off anyway. So we 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 finish up this part of the idiocy, and I I, I say to Tim, Tim, have we learned anything tonight. I think we have learned that there can be some great art in in the form of some absurdity, uh, mm-hmm. in the form of some um, you know Monty Python esque comedy. If we didn't already know it, uh, you know, much like we said at the end of last show, uh, during these times when we're at home, uh, pick up a good book. Take a look, it's in a book, a reading rainbow. Check it out. Check out Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy. Uh, it's it's funny. It is funny on a number of levels, and and you know not so crazy of a book that you can't you know get nestled into it and enjoy. So uh, nestled into it. Listen to that. Absolutely, Listen. absolutely. So uh, you know, I think uh, you know. Th- th- thank you to Uncle Todd for the uh, for the recommendation. Yeah, I said it was my pleasure. Uh, thank you. And we do uh, highly recommend uh, you check it out if, if like you said, you're uh, searching for uh, something to read. Yes, indeed. With that being said, uh, be safe, be healthy, be good to one another. Mm-hmm. And, you know, for this week, you know, we, we, we did this episode, you know, a thousand downloads. We thank our, our listenership. We're going to do something a little different. Uncle Todd and I are going to, you know, walk on out and, 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 and hit the lights like we talk about. Don't worry about it. But we do want to say this. So long, and thanks for all the fish. I got took the wrong week to quit drinking. I beg your pardon, what did you say? Damn! You're such a disappointing pair. I prayed so hard for you. Get out! 
Don't come back until you've received yourselves. So say we all. So say we all. I mean, that really got out of hand fast. And don't panic. <laughs> <laughs> I know I know it's tough to do in 2020. I feel like the entire 2020 just had to have don't panic spray painted everywhere. You know that scene in the Muppet, not, not the old Muppet movie, but the one with uh, Jason Siegel? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Where the, the new Muppet character, I can't I can't remember his name, his, his brother, starts running like crazy and there's a close-up on his face. Yes. That's 2020. <laughs> Sadly, yes. Yes, it is. 